God is with you. Let us pray. God of the keen blade, which cuts the roots of arrogant power, you raise voices of promise in the dry lands of our desire, children of faith from the stones of the earth. Make us ready to receive the spirit and the fire of love, wild and fierce and free. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. In 1868, John Muir set off on foot from San Francisco to walk into the Sierra Nevada mountains for his first time. He was on his way to see the region some people called the Awani, others called it Yosemite. Awani means big mouth in Awanichi. And Yosemite means killer in Miwok. In his journals, Muir wrote how he was, quote, overwhelmed by the landscape as he went whooping and howling at the vistas and jumping from flower to flower. Soon after his first visit, Muir became a shepherd in the Yosemite region, He quickly gained a reputation as a wild man. In his book, Mountains of California, Muir recounts a tale that gives some sense of his wildness. During an enormous windstorm, he carefully noted how different trees responded to the storm, how sugar pines branches, quote, swing compliantly like grasses of green fluent algae in a brook how juniper and dwarf pine are never knocked down in the wind. The windstorm was so strong that Muir noted trees being uprooted or cracked in half by the wind every two to three minutes. Amidst that tempest, Muir climbed to the top of a Douglas fir tree and strapped himself to it so that he could feel the full force of the wind. Wild. Muir was unconventional in a way that attracted others. People were drawn to him from all over the country. His guests included scientists, artists, and literary giants like Emerson. President Teddy Roosevelt even took the time to come to Yosemite and explore the wilderness from Mariposa Grove to Glacier Point. Muir used his influence to protect the land. Yosemite was in danger of being consumed by industry. Through his writing, Muir convinced Congress to designate Yosemite a national park. In that way, Muir made it so that people could come and enjoy the beauty of God's creation. He made it possible to find God in nature. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. This week we read about another John, another wild man. 
This John, the Baptist, wore strange clothes, camel hair, and ate strange food, locusts and honey. People flocked to him out in the wilderness beside the Jordan River. John was famous. To Matthew's audience, John was widely known, which is why John appears so prominently in Matthew's gospel. People wondered if John was the promised Messiah. Matthew clarifies that it is Jesus who is more important by starting his gospel with a genealogy that traces all of Jewish history to Jesus. Then Matthew ties John to Elijah, who also wore camel hair and was supposed to come to prepare the way for the Messiah. That was the prophetic tradition. That's why every year on the second Sunday of Advent, we read about John. John is the Elijah figure who prepares the way. According to John, what needs to happen to prepare the way of the Lord? What is it that needs to go on? Repent. That's a nice churchy word we don't really use anymore. What does it mean? What does it really mean? In Greek, the word is metanoia. Meta plus the accusative means after or behind or beyond. And nous means mind. In classical Greek, metanoia meant changing one's mind. And when personified, metanoia was depicted as a shadowy goddess cloaked in sorrowful who accompanied Kairos, the god of opportunity. The Greek Orthodox Church today teaches that metanoia denotes a fundamental transformation of outlook, a new vision of loving others and God. Change in perspective, like climbing a tree, like falling in love. Change the way you see things. This last week I had a lot going on. My car, my Prius, died after 10 years of service. I had it through three kids and marriage and all sorts of other things. We also hosted Thanksgiving and uh, I was supposed to go on to Seattle on Thursday, but my flight got canceled because I, I was going up there to visit a friend for his 40th birthday. So I had to reschedule all of that. And as I was packing to leave, I got a call that my mom was in the hospital. So I threw whatever I had in my bag and uh, went to the hospital to be with her for as long as I could before I hopped on a plane. Please pray for Barb and her um, her cardiac uh, issues, that they may be resolved and uh, be treated well. She's doing reasonably well, but they have yet to really solve what's going on. So pray for her. But amidst all of that, all of that craziness and uncertainty, um, I flew up and I had a layover in Santa Bar- in San Francisco. And when I flew out of San Francisco, it was right at like dusk, which was also rush hour. And as I looked down on the city, I could see all the brake lights headed in one direction, all the red lights headed in one direction, and all the headlights 
heading the other way. And they made these intricate patterns all over the city. And as we flew and looped over the bay, it was like a rotating Christmas tree. But looking down at those lights from that distance, my eyes were filled with wonder. I had a change of heart, a change of perspective, a change of mind. And as the plane climbed, the dark of night settled over the land around the city and the dark swallowed up the commotion and the destruction of the city, the development that had reshaped the landscape below. In its place, it was set with wilderness. In fact, some of that wilderness where it was the mirror woods just north of the city. The darkness and that dark wildness subsumed the city from that height and calmed that fostering peace. The frenzy of life went on way below, but the change in perspective helped me prepare to meet the frenzy in my life. The change in perspective, change in mind, opened my heart and my mind and prepared the way for me to love again. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.